0: Disenfranchised from everything. Oh, well, I fall up and I fall down. An American loser the day I was born.
1: Alright, hey, welcome back uh, This is another episode of American Loser My name is K.P. Burke I'm your host with me as always Is my handsome dilf of a father Larry, how are you? Hey, good morning everybody What's going on? Yeah, nothing much man. We got another good episode here Feedback's been really good uh, Big and not behind the ones and twos today uh, Subbing in fours is the boss man himself Ming Chen, how are you sir? Hey. What's
0: up everybody? Uh, just had to make sure everything was on the up and up And so far so good Yeah
1: now, You guys take great care of us over here, man This place would not happen We are uh, recording live at the uh, Shared Universe uh, podcast studio In Eatontown We've been having a great time with that so far, man. And uh, not for nothing, uh, man, you've heard a couple of the episodes, right? Um, what we've got so far with a lot of the American losers is a lot of these guys are sympathetic characters, right? You know, uh, we talked about uh, previous episodes. Richard Hauptman, who was probably, uh, he's definitely not a sympathetic guy, but he was definitely not the only guy who acted in the Lindbergh kidnapping. Grover Cleveland, maybe not really a loser just because he had this weird kind of uh, asterisk next to his presidency. Um, and then Garfield assassinated. Right. So there's a lot of people that are pretty sympathetic. Today's episode. We're going to cover a guy who is so, so much of a douchebag. <laughs> he's the yeah. absolutely least sympathetic person we could have come up with here. I thought he was going to be a tiny footnote in the story about other people. But it turns out that this guy is he, he's literally deserves his own movie. Um, like we were talking about uh, this guy's the king of losers. All right, he's actually such a loser you almost have to admire what a loser this guy is. Maybe not. Is this fair to say, Dad? He's maybe not even a loser. He's just the American scoundrel. Yeah, he's not really
0: setting the bar
1: on uh, on uh, dumbassness, but uh,
0: he because setting the bar means you're putting something up high. This guy's he's the, the
1: lowest of low. Because, uh, in order to compare him to for his contemporaries of the time, he did exist in the time of the Founding Fathers. He was close personal friends with the first three presidents of the United States. And uh, I think in America, we look at the, the Founding Fathers, and these are like these mythical gods of liberty, right? They can't do anything wrong. They're like the greatest minds of the world. Uh, so, if the Founding Fathers are Rocky Balboa, then uh, his ne'er do well brother in law scumbag. Is uh, Paulie from the movies. All right. So Rocky is the Founding Fathers. Paulie is today's loser, Mr. James Wilkinson. Yeah, and then you said c- close personal friends with the first three presidents. I would kind of amend that. He's not exactly friends, but they put up with him. They, they had to find a place for him. Well, there's always going to be a time when you're going to sit there and you're going to Google. There'll be some ridiculous photo of a president shaking hands with somebody that maybe was a, a, a not a quality character, if or you will. Perhaps porn star. That's a <laughs> <laughs> not bad on that one. It's um, but uh, we'll start off with this guy here just to give you a little bit of background. Born in 1757 in Benedict, Maryland. Which, if you know anything about American history, the name Benedict should be signed. You know th- that runs hand-in-hand hand with... He might as well have been in born in Tradersville, USA, okay? So uh, Guy's father passed away while he was young, and uh, they had to keep up this appearance of being wealthy, right? So uh, he he had money, but he wasn't a, a super affluent guy, but uh, they had to keep up the appearances that they were going to be wealthy, uh, and his father's death, they always say, kind of had this huge impact on a young James, that he his idea of uh, security through financial means was always messed up with that one i know you look you know a little bit more about this than i do
0: uh not not necessarily but uh yeah he, he his father dies very young his grandfather was actually the guy that really set the family on a on a firm financial foothold but they had property but they weren't like the big huge uh farms or plantations they were of more modest means but they always tried to uh to live beyond their means, kind of a thing. And so you're saying stuff. they live in
1: Bergen County, but they have an above ground pool. That's what you're saying. <laughs> yeah, it's something something along
0: those lines. Right? <laughs> uh, yeah, and then his father dies, uh, and James had an older brother, and all the family wealth, whatever there was of it, goes to his brother, and he gets Butkus. So
1: he's uh, he's uh, he's you know. The the left the left behind kind of a thing, so that's what's going to happen when you guys leave me all the money and my sister Carrie, who was on an earlier episode, when she has to realize that nothing's coming. Right, that's um, we're going to impact her in this way.
0: Yeah, I'm sure we'll it's, we'll we'll have to work those details out, Kev.
1: <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, Wilkinson maintains like he's an interesting guy. He goes to uh, we said medical school, right?
0: Yeah, he. Uh, you know, although uh, his brother is left with all the money, he is still like he's got private tutors and that kind of stuff. and then he's off to college or what would be considered college at the time. And he's studying to be a physician.
1: So while he's studying to be a physician, uh, they always talk about that as a boy, he was mesmerized by watching the uh, the British Army known as the Redcoats. Uh, he would watch them drilling. And it is an impressive thing. Like I, I was in the Navy. We've talked about that a little bit here. And uh, when you would watch like the color guard move in for the Navy, I mean, these guys are precision movements. It's really cool to look at. Um, this kind of fueled his uh, affinity for the military, if you will. But like we said, he's in medical school at the time, kind of a cool thing. But uh, when he hears about Lexington and Concord, right, the shot heard around the world, the first shots of the American Revolution, uh, this kind of fuels his sense of adventure. So he joins the local militia. All right, he's got no military experience whatsoever you know, forth, uh, before this, but he goes ahead. He joins the local militia, and then later on, he winds up dropping out of medical school and joins the Continental Army just on this sense of adventure thing. So, so far, he's not he, – he sounds like a, a red-blooded American boy at this yeah, point. Yes,
0: so he's actually studying, I believe, in, in uh, Pennsylvania. It might have even been Philadelphia. I'm not certain on that one. But, uh, yeah, he takes off uh, um, during – and serves as an aide um, – I believe to uh Nathaniel Green who was one of the the biggies at the Siege of Boston where Boston is now under military rule and you know, the the Continentals are trying to drive them out of Boston and he's involved with Green uh, putting uh cannon and stuff around or trying to get cannon around boston to drive them out well
1: nathaniel green uh of the third new hampshire okay is con- he's widely considered the uh the best officer washington ever had right that that was that was his badass number two guy right there you know what i mean that was old reliable if you will that was the mariano rivera <laughs> to uh george washington's uh you know uh joe that that's the guy that's going to get the job done for you but uh, anyway, what was interesting, though, is the reason he got that, because we already talked about Nathaniel Green here. But uh, this is this part of the story where we start to uncover that Wilkinson is what I'm just going to call, for lack of a better term, one charming motherfucker.
0: <laughs> yeah, he uh, he certainly has an ability for ingratiating himself with uh, with other people of, of a higher stature than
1: his. Well, uh, like like Ming, when you do some of the conventions and stuff like that, uh, do you have people that, uh, that they'll be talking to somebody else and they jump over to talk to you real quick and then they see somebody else they want to talk to and so they look th- over your shoulder to look at somebody else?
0: Oh, sure. It's like, uh, yeah, great to meet you, Ming. Oh, my God, Mark Hamill from That's Star a- <laughs> Wars. Or... <laughs> there you go. Exactly. Yeah, sure. It happens all the time. It's such an honor to meet you. But, oh, look who's over there. <laughs> yeah, I, I Listen, I wasn't in Star Wars, so I, I get it. I've been in one TV show. It's It's okay. I get it. <laughs>
1: But, you know, the uh, the behavior is ladder climbing, right? So that's the behavior. And we're going to see this here, that this guy is known for just oozing charm out of people. And uh, he goes at the first person he decides to start kissing the ass of. Pretty good guy to start with. Uh, If you're going to start kissing somebody's ass, uh, start with General George Washington.
0: Yep. GW
1: himself. But uh, now Washington, I guess the more that the story goes on, you realize maybe they kind of saw through him a little bit. But it was that you were better with the devil you knew rather than the devil you didn't know and they needed educated men because they're building the first army of the, United. Like we're not even yeah, in the United nothing, States yet. Nothing
0: even exists yet.
1: We are a colonial militia essentially. So you're trying to get this standing army of regulars, paid regulars, and uh, Washington needs good men and college educated men at the time are still extremely hard to come by. So despite the fact that he has no real military experience, Washington just makes Wilkinson a captain. I mean, just, just imagine showing up on the job and you're like, oh, I'm here to apply for supervisor. Oh, do you have any previous experience? No. Well, I know how to read and write. So. <laughs> but uh, that's where he got that gig working underneath Nathaniel Green, like you said, for the uh, the third New Hampshire. But uh, unfortunately, serving under Nathaniel Green just wasn't quite good enough for this ladder climbing Wilkinson. He is uh, essentially, as the story goes on, you're going to realize he's pretty much like Blake Lively. All right. He's going to keep jumping up <laughs> the pegs of the ladder to see what the better offer is till they get to the top of it. So he goes from Nathaniel Green, who's considered one of the best guys in the business, right? But in that Blake Lively move where it's like, cool, I'm dating my co-star on Gossip Girl. But that's not quite good enough. You've got to make the jump. Who is – now, I know that in history he's not remembered fondly. and We'll cover him on another episode, Dad. But who was the soldier soldier? Who was the American badass of the American Revolution?
0: Well, one of the, one of the better generals uh, initially – <laughs> things <laughs> might have changed uh, halfway through but uh benedict Arnold is uh uh he's a fighter you know he's he's going after people so many you know during this time there's so many people were appointed to a various positions simply because of their their stature in society or whatever but uh ben arnold uh you know he was kind of a badass and um i believe washington then sends him and uh, some others to go up north because, hey, you know, in Canada we've got some some British, uh, um, you know, possessions, if you will, in uh, in Canada, and you know, at the time now we're sitting around Boston trying to figure out how the heck are we going to drive these uh, British out of Boston because they've taken over our city, and uh, there's an attack on Fort Ticonderoga, which uh, Benny
1: Arnold uh, was very influential in. One of our great family vacations. That's a, <laughs> you got go. to watch a guy shoot a cannon, a couple guys shooting muskets. But uh, Now, Benedict Arnold, just uh, for the context here, so if Nathaniel Green is the Mo Rivera, old reliable Mr. Professional.
0: And again, he, had, he actually had military experience uh, in his background because uh, he fought in the French and Indian War, which is one of the reasons why the Continental Congress put old George Washington in charge because he's had experience in the military uh,
1: from the French and Indian War. Oddly, too, uh, just a footnote for this one, Washington had a couple of very embarrassing defeats in the French and Indian War that uh, he, he definitely brought some baggage in with him. Yeah. There's some speculation he might have been a sub-500 manager uh, when he was appointed to the biggest job ever. And now he's he's God in this country. You know what I mean?
0: At the same time, Washington had history with uh, fighting with the, the British Army. And again, because he's a, a colonial, he's like a second-class citizen simply because of uh, – He's from the Americas and not uh, from jolly old
1: England directly, so. That blew up in their face, didn't it? Yeah, it it certainly did. Uh, One thing I thought was interesting, though, is that uh, so now Wilkinson, he starts kissing ass like that. Now, he goes into Benedict Arnold, who we've discussed is going to be like the Brett the Hitman heart of uh, if you had to like that's the guy that like the soldier soldier that people, you know, they knew that he was the guy on the field. But Wilkinson has described what one of his biographers referred to as a theatrical vanity for kissing ass. Okay, (laughs) so he's now he's got the Nathaniel Green thing. He's got that little rung on the ladder climbed and then he jumps up onto the next one, which is like we said, Benedict Arnold. So he's making his move slowly but surely His Blake Lively move is now uh, is now moved on to uh, Leonardo DiCaprio. Okay, that's the metaphor I'm going to use for this one.
0: Social climber,
1: exactly. So she's got uh, got her her little Leonardo DiCaprio thing now, and Arnold loves it because he's a little bit he likes he likes getting his ass kissed a little bit, you know. Um, But he they literally appoint Wilkinson as Arnold's aide. Uh, But the problem was Arnold is a blood and guts guy, getting out on the field, actually doing the thing. This is a man who prefers to do his work in the field, as opposed to some of the other people who are like administrative types of officers. Yeah. So uh, not really Wilkinson's jam. He needs to get out of that one. He doesn't want to get his hands dirty. So uh, next jump is going to be into the Horatio Gates camp. Now, uh, off the top of your head, who's Horatio Gates, Dad?
0: Well, Horatio Gates is another another one of our uh, military geniuses. Um, That's sarcastic. Um, For the Continentals, for the Americans uh, fighting the British and Washington um, comes up with this plan. It's approved by the Continental Congress that um, Horatio Gates is, again, he's another one of the guys that are sent north. I think the, the overriding theme with all of these guys um, are egos that are like unbelievable. They're, they're, they're way up there with their, with their egos kind of a thing that they all think they're, they are it. They're, they're hot shit um, right from the get-go. And, of course, now if you've got a guy like Wilkinson who's kissing everybody's ass, that's, that's certainly going to endear them to them. Yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm awesome. And even Wilkinson says I'm awesome. You know, listen to this guy.
1: Well, he's good at what he does, all right? And uh, so he jumps into the Horatio Gates camp. Gates at the time is the adjutant general of the Continentals, okay? And as you said earlier, Gates, not a wartime guy. This isn't the, I hope this is the man leading us into battle. This is a guy who's a great organizer. So, what we would jokingly say is that he works in admin. So he's a pencil pusher.
0: <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah, he is an organizer, but he's not the guy that's going to be uh, out in front of all the troops with his sword over his head. Come on, men, follow me. Kind of. That's not. That's not Gates.
1: Well, it was uh, adjutant
0: uh, general too. That's like second in second in command. So that is, is George Washington. Oh, Gates
1: is a big swinging dick in this oh, yeah, here Continental yeah, Army.
0: Absolutely.
1: But uh, like we said, he's not a wartime guy. Uh, but now Wilkinson in uh, Gates because Gates is such an admin guy uh, and going to be an organizer, which is important to the army because you're trying to build an army for the first time. So you need the architects to try to you know get the structure going so you can you know actually field an army to win a battle. But uh, in Wilkinson, uh, I'm sorry, in uh, in Gates, I apologize. Wilkinson has finally found uh, what Blake Lively found in Ryan Reynolds. This is the apex. <laughs> okay. So Gates even loves it too, plays mentor to Wilkinson and names him as his chief of staff. They even serve on the board of war together, which if I'm correct, that's – if you had to come up with a modern equivalency for the board of war back then, it's almost like having access to the Pentagon. Is that fair to say?
0: Yeah, that is that is fair to say. He's like um, Gates' number two guy. And again, it's, this is all by um, like a political appointee kind of a thing. It's not by – uh, emeritus service or anything else. It was just that Gates decided, hey, this guy thinks I'm awesome and, you know, because he thinks I'm awesome, uh, we're going to promote him up to where he
1: can be you know, right close at hand to give me an ass kiss anytime I uh, request it. This uh, reminds me of the time that they gave uh, my lieutenant commander in my last unit, they gave him an award for uh, how good of a job I did welding and I didn't get shit. <laughs> I'm just sitting like, oh, okay, that's really, really great. Like, oh, yeah, he... Uh, I won't say the guy's name because he's still in the military, I think, but it's uh, uh, I'll put it, it, the running joke with him was that uh, he was getting sent over to Afghanistan uh, to serve as uh, uh, boots on the ground. and I said, that's the first time I've ever cheered for Al Qaeda. <laughs> but kind of a messed up thing there with that. But uh, Wilkinson, he didn't not see action. When we say that he was a pencil pusher, it doesn't mean that he didn't see any action. He actually, uh, whether people know this or not, He accompanied Washington on his historic attack on Trenton. Uh, where he received, I want to say it was kind of a brevet thing. Can you explain what a brevet is, by the way, Dad? brevet promotion?
0: Yeah, brevet promotion is, um, again, it's an award that's usually because of uh, meritorious action in battle or uh, you did did something well and they're going to, it's almost like a battlefield promotion kind of a thing and it doesn't need um, the approval of the higher-ups that... If your immediate superior says, uh, "Hey, you're, you did a great job out there. We're going to now make you a sergeant, where you were a private," or you know, you can go right up to right up the scale from uh, to captain to colonel or whatever. But they make him a, uh, a breveted. Uh, uh, I don't forget what what rank Washington bestowed upon
1: him was a captain. Or I want to say this is where he received the rank of lieutenant colonel. Okay. If my notes are right, but again. Majority of our research is done via Wikipedia and Uncle John's bathroom reader. So, <laughs> right. it's a great source of knowledge. Yeah. Here. Well, I think what it is this is a show for the curious, not the scholarly. Right, right. I'll put it that way. But
0: uh, I think it's appropriate too that Uncle John's reader is uh, mentioned here with uh, with a guy like Wilkinson. I mean, it's. <laughs> While you're you're dropping a deuce,
1: uh, he's dropping a deuce on the whole country. Uh, Again, uh, I know that we've been talking about every episode we seem to have these sharp left turns that the characters take. This guy might have one of the sharpest ever because that that gets uh, really fun to talk about his later on career. But um, while we're talking about this, he accompanies Washington on the historic attack on Trenton, which as – it's lauded as this great military victory, but tell me if I'm wrong on this one. If, I've, if I understand it correctly, Dad, I know you uh, you grew up talking to us about history on long car rides. Um, <laughs> the attack on Trenton was essentially, wasn't that around uh, Christmas time? And what it was is that Washington just uh, crossed the river at night so that he could attack the Hessian troops right. who were drunk because they were celebrating the holidays. Hey, it's Christmas. So you want to talk about a bad hangover, all right? <laughs> right. These guys are just sitting there, hoping to wake up, and there's a Gatorade in the fridge. Now George Washington is coming at him with guns, <laughs> right, and cannon. That's it. <laughs> but uh, big win for that one. So now Wilkinson, he's got he's kissing everybody's ass. Everybody seems to enjoy what this guy has to have. Uh, now Wilkinson, uh, kind of again, we always talk about how he's an interesting guy here. Uh, he was a mag. Now Gates was a magnificent armchair officer, like we were talking about, and uh, the one tragic, not tragic mistake, but where you really start to see that Gates is an asshole is that Gates tries to take credit for the victory at Saratoga, which, as you told me earlier, Dad, was uh, Benedict Arnold, his actions in the field is the reason why that battle was won. It had nothing to do with Gates. That's correct?
0: Yeah, there was some people that were sent, uh, some continentals that were sent north to invade Canada kind of a thing because um, the British could use that as a base, and if they took control of the hudson river they were basically dividing the 13 colonies in half and that would have been you know a game ender if they took control of the hudson so um the british sent people down out of canada and there were some continentals that were sent up earlier but now gates is up there and he's trying to stop this um british movement south uh and then at saratoga um you know there was uh a number of things that were helping out with the with the Continentals, with the Americans, if you will. Um, but it was really Benedict Arnold that was uh, the the big deciding factor in that whole Battle of Saratoga. This was a major victory for the for the Continentals at Saratoga. Now Gates is actually the guy that's in charge of the whole operation, but it wasn't by his military genius that. The Battle of Saratoga is one. It's actually Benedict Arnold and others that were really uh, made that made that whole thing happen.
1: Well, uh, guess who? Uh, guess who? Mister Wilkinson, old, you know, playing the hot hand as he's been known to do at this point. Uh, he's now torn between his two former mentors. So Benedict Arnold, who was very good to him early on in his career, who he admired and understood why you should admire a man like him, is the legitimate hero of the Battle of Saratoga. Uh, but Gates, who he is his current boyfriend. We'll Comment um, is saying like, oh well, really, it was my thing. So Wilkinson backs up Gates's version of the events on the field and plays into the idea that Gates was the hero of Saratoga, and now Benedict Arnold and him, the two of them are. It's like you turned your back on him. It's it's officially the bad breakup now.
0: Yeah, well, it, although Benedict Arnold had a, a a key role in in the winning uh, the winning of Saratoga, Gates is going to certainly pump himself up because you know Gates ideally would like to, um, replace George Washington as, as the main man. Oh, we're going to get there. Um, and, then now Gates sends his number one ass kisser, Wilkinson to, uh, to Philadelphia, to the Continental Congress so that, uh, Wilkinson can tell Congress what a great job Gates did. And he's the, you know, Gates is going to be portrayed as the hero of Saratoga when, you know, when you start digging around, it's there's others that uh, Gates won, yeah, but it was a kind of in spite of Gates.
1: <laughs> Gates won. Well, uh, one of my favorite uh, things that I see happen in uh, in football a lot is that uh, a player will tweet out their admiration for a quarterback on another team in hopes that they can get picked up by that team. Like right now, Des Bryant was always talking about how Tom Brady, his favorite, you know, that's his favorite quarterback he's ever watched play because he doesn't have a job right now. He's trying to get hired by the Patriots, so. The move, always, but I like when I see those moves pay off because that's where it gets interesting. Because Wilkinson sides with Gates, and turns his back on Arnold, kind of a scumbag move, but it pays dividends right away. Because now, at this point, uh, despite at age 20, by the way, and he's still never led men into battle, uh, I believe he's promoted to brigadier general. Yeah. So, so he's in charge of an entire brigade. I joined the he's Navy like, at 20, by the way. All right, I'm figuring out what the military is at 20, not leading, you know, an entire contingent against the world's greatest superpower in England at the right. time. I'm literally sitting there like I just, I just hope I can hold off on jerking off for all of boot camp.
0: <laughs> and you're thinking you're hot shit because when I got out of boot camp, my Eagle Scout thing is going to give me a pay grade. Oh yeah. And now at age 20, Wilkinson is in charge of an entire brigade. So
1: uh, he knew how to pick him, man. He was good that way. Still, like we said, has never led men into battle now uh this is kind of where it gets weird this is the start of that first left turn so you see everybody that he's kissing the ass of uh he gets what he wants out of them and then he kind of betrays them moves on to another thing we're going to move into a thing in american history known as uh conway's Cabal. okay and this is kind of a goofy story i'm going to ask you to unpack that here for me dad
0: oh shit conway's Cabal. that it you talk about a, a collection of people with egos and everything else. This was this was big. There's a guy in the Continental Congress who is uh, Thomas Conway. Now his backstory is um, he comes to the United States, not the United States. He comes to the colonies, to the con- to the uh, Continentals, if you will, by the recommendation of this guy uh, Silas Dean. Now he's he's another whole. Possible uh, uh, loser episode, but Silas Dean is sent to France by the Continental Congress, really initially secretively trying to woo France to come give
1: us aid in the war. Well, uh, Ming just pulled up in the background on the Wikipedia here. Actually, Conway is a French Irish general. Yeah. It's so yeah, a very weird thing.
0: And he's, he's got a real interesting background because um, his family was Irish. Um during all the troubles with uh, England and Ireland, he is an Irish Catholic, I believe, and they escape um, some of the persecution in Ireland and come over to France, another Catholic country. Anyhow, he joins uh, something called the Irish Brigade in France, which is a, a group of soldiers fighting for France with Irish background. Anyhow... Um, so it's like a,
1: a French army unit with no necks, is what you're saying. <laughs> Just chin and shoulders there on these go. guys. That's, That's right.
0: <laughs> the only provisions they need is, uh, you know, if, if they keep sending the Guinness over, we're all right. <laughs> we'll, we'll, we'll charge any any battlement. Um, anyhow, um, this guy, Silas Dean, who is a continental, sent over by the Continental Congress to try to enlist aid of France... Now starts drumming up um, other really not mercenaries, but other people that are going to be um, working for the American cause, guys like Lafayette, uh, guys like Casimir uh, Pulaski. if anybody's driven on the Pulaski uh, skyway well there you go he was uh, he was a foreign born um, ...military guy that was working for the thing. And then Baron von Steuben, He's you know he, he gets some some fame for actually whipping the, the Continental Army into an organized uh, unit. But anyhow, um, this guy, Thomas Conway, is appointed by Congress to a brigadier general on the recommendation of this guy, Silas Dean. He fights in the Battle of Germantown, which is uh, another um, battle in Pennsylvania... Does a really great job. Um, again, we got an ego thing going on here. He's not initially promoted by George Washington because of the uh, job that he did at Germantown, simply because he's foreign. Um, you know, Washington has got all of these people that he's trying to keep under under control, and there's um, people presently serving in the Continental Army that really should be promoted before this guy and because this guy is actually a french irish national if you will he gets passed over pisses conway off i was gonna say now this irish temper starts to come out here a little bit doesn't it so it pisses pisses conway off so you know he and conway and gw are not um buds from that point forward kind of a thing um but anyhow, he's not promoted by George Washington, but then Congress makes him the inspector general of the army. So in other words, uh, that's, con- that's kind of like Congress's eyes on what kind of a job George Washington is doing. So, you know, it, it's really it's – a, it's, a, it's a real mix up here um, as to who's, who's leading what and who's in charge of what. Um, so
1: it's leading I, to a little bit of infighting, Right, absolutely,
0: absolutely. I mean, it's, it's uh, they're not best of buds, uh, all for the glorious cause of uh, life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. So kind of I thing. smell a power grab. Yeah, so there's a power grab here, certainly. And then with uh, Gates's, you know, um, Gates's victory in Saratoga, if you will. And by the way, again, we've got to remember that it was Wilkinson who was sent by Gates to tell the Congress what a terrific job we're doing here. Um, And then um, Conway, um, who's no friend of GW at this point, starts to write letters to Gates. And within um, some of those letters um, that were gonna go from Conway to Gates, he says that uh, George Washington is a weak general. In other words, th- he's not—he's not doing real well. Yeah, I mean, things—things things were not going real well for old George Washington at that particular time. They're but, talking shit, is what yeah, you're saying. They're, they're talking shit. Um, but anyhow, um, these letters that were going to be written to Gates were supposed to be delivered from Conway to Gates by none other than our own, at this particular point, Brigadier General James Wilkinson. Oh, boy. All right? And then, um, uh, you know, they, they get intercepted kind of a thing, and they find out that there's, uh, you know, this group um, that now becomes known as Conway's Cabal. Now, what's a cabble? Uh, cabal, cabal. I, you know, we. we uh, by the way, yeah, potato,
1: we, potato, potato. We were on YouTube trying to figure out the correct way to pronounce this for about thirty minutes.
0: Ca- cabal, 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 cabal. Yeah, whatever. Cabal. Potato. That's that religion Madonna follows. Potato, potato. potato. But uh, a cabal or a cable, whatever. It's not cable, but it's a cabal. What'd you say, cabal?
1: Yeah, Conway's cabal. We'll call it then. cabal.
0: Okay, Conway's cabal. If I can remember that, we'll keep that one going. But uh, it's a group of people that are. Uh, um, working behind the scenes and nothing, uh nothing above board kind of a manner, trying to disparage old George Washington, because there's you know there's a strong
1: following of Gates at this particular point, and I thinking that hey, well, him. he played himself up as if you don't know if you're not an informed opinion, you think he's the hero of Saratoga right. at this point. Exactly,
0: exactly, and it, you got to understand too that we don't have uh, you know the media. Following the Battle of Saratoga, the only really word that we have of what's going on at Saratoga was what Wilkinson just delivered. And, you know, we again, we've got our number one ass kisser in, in uh, the entire army. Uh, now, what's the goal
1: of message? Conway's cabal, though? What is their what's their end goal?
0: Their end goal is to get Gates
1: to be the head of the army, not not George Washington. So you're going to kick old George Dubs in the dick on right. his way out the door. <laughs> That's right. And you're going to replace him with Gates, who, again, not a military guy. Not a military uh, guy. No. Washington was a blood and guts dude to a degree. He had seen some shit. Well,
0: yeah. he Certainly during the French and Indian War and everything else that, uh, you know, there were reports that have had not been for Washington. The British really would have suffered worse defeat. Um, you know, he saved a lot of people's ass by, uh, in, during the French and Indian
1: War by his uh, military prowess, if you will. Now, I want to ask a, a quick question to uh, Ming here real quick. Uh, Ming, have you ever? Uh, I know you you enjoy you know a couple adult beverages every now and then. I uh, do. Have you ever leaked out some information that you just realized you weren't in the best company to admit something out loud in front of?
0: I think I did it about twelve hours ago at a, <laughs> at a bar in Asbury Park. Yes, it happens quite often, actually. Uh, shockingly, yes. Uh,
1: it does happen a lot with me too, uh, and uh, I'm, I'm sure we've all been in that scenario at one point or other. But uh, what makes me laugh here is this Conway Cable thing. Is it's a the plot is there, okay? And like we said, Major uh, General Thomas Conway is the inspector general at times. Is that correct, Dad? Conway is now the inspector general, yeah. So pretty high up in the government over there. Now, this plot that they threw into place, this is how it all falls apart, this this entire conspiracy. We talk about conspiracies a lot on here, right? And um, this one falls apart because one night an extra cocky Wilkinson gets super drunk at a dinner party and just starts talking out loud about it. Oh, uh, you know, we got this thing going, we're going to overthrow Washington, we're going to put my boy Gates in, Gates is going to, I mean, it's going to be big things for me. Don't tell anybody about this, all right? No, spoiler alert. All right, spoiler alert. <laughs> yeah. We're going to overthrow the head of the Continental Army. Yeah. But they were going to overthrow that, they were going to put uh, Gates in as the head, but he didn't realize that as he's drunkenly saying the plans out loud, one of the guests at the dinner party is a friend of Washington's. Oops. And he just goes, he's like, hey, man, you know this Wilkinson guy? Uh, I mean, how how well do you know him? What's what's he like? He goes uh, well. Not for nothing, they're plotting something here against you. Uh, Now, the fallout from that one, if I remember right, is that Conway is now forced to resign in shame.
0: Um. Yeah, he. uh, You know, obviously, uh, you got a snake in the grass here, and he's now, you know, definitely apparent that this guy is a a schemer. He's part of the whole conspiracy. Um, Wilkinson was never really directly pointed to was just like he was like a he was the guy that would make sure that the rumor happened you know he would be spreading the rumors kind of a thing but uh yeah he that was uh (laughs) nobody was really going to
1: be buddy not going to become drinking buddies with him because he's such a great guy well we know wilkinson is a man of integrity right so wilkinson is a man of integrity (laughs) um and because because he's a man of integrity we go ahead and we see this when he's confronted by an irate General Horatio Gates, who's like, "I can't believe you just put the like," because they were both in on it. Gates knew about the plot too. It right. wasn't like he was going to be. The Republic demands me to, to come right. to you know ascend to the throne, if you will. Um, he comes up to Wilkinson. And he goes, he goes, "Hey, uh, what the hell's going on? You, you got like what the fuck?" and wilkinson because he's a man of integrity completely denies it and blames it on somebody else <laughs> all right which means deny
0: deny yeah. so deny.
1: it was almost like when um uh, when me and carrie my sister would get into a fight as kids and uh that never happened and either. you would walk in and you would say like your mom would be like well what happened here and but you guys would separate us first and uh carrie would say her side of the story and i'd say my side of the story and whichever one of us lied you'd come over and bounce it against it. You guys had a, this interrogation room tactic where you would get the truth out of us. But for that couple of minutes, when it's I'm like... parenting, Kev. It's well, called parenting. I'd say... <laughs> <laughs> I would sit there and I'd be like, oh, fine, okay, I got... My lie worked. They bought the lie because you, you would walk out of my room or whatever. And then two minutes later, you'd come kicking the door down. Excuse <laughs> No, Kev. Well, that's what happens now with uh, with Gates. Gates realizes that now Wilkinson's lied to him, walks back in, and now your former mentor, the guy you've spent your entire career kissing the ass of... Decide it's now time to challenge you to a duel in the field of honor. That somebody's got to die because you just pulled some shit. But uh, they're both kind of cowards. Neither of these are blood and guts, guys. They're not real hard asses. They're big talkers. So the duel never happens. But uh, they have undying enmity for the rest of their lives. Enmity. I had to Google that word a couple of times, too. But they hate each other the rest of their lives. Well, inform our audience. So what's enmity? Well, uh, essentially what it means is that their romance is over. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> OK, they, yeah. may, they now have a burning hatred for one another the rest of their careers here. But uh, at this time, we have now established the United States of America. OK, the, the rest they're, rebel...
0: they're not exchanging Christmas cards. then.
1: No, not okay. exactly. Okay. It's okay. A, from checking. our family to yours. <laughs> yeah, right. I, I, it would be funny, though, if uh, a Christmas earlier uh, that uh, Wilkinson and uh, Gates did a joint Christmas card. And that's how everybody knew, like, man, these guys really like each other. <laughs> um. But uh, we've established this point now where uh, the revolution is is over, okay, and the United States is in full effect uh, to a degree. But now Wilkinson, as soon as the war is over, his reputation has been tainted and he resigns from his military post, okay? Uh, And this guy always tends to land on his feet because he's a scumbag and scumbags are advantageous people. So when he gets down to Philadelphia, he marries a wealthy Philly chick, all right, named uh, Ann Biddle. Was her name right? Okay, and it was a very agreeable marriage too. I think she was probably a pretty good-looking lady, and I think she was coming from a wealthy background. Yeah, the Biddles were uh, Philadelphia elite, if you will. uh, Yeah, so it's essentially like uh, like the Carson Wentzes. uh, How we feel about him now? (laughs) That's uh, but uh, the Biddles are uh, are well-off people, and uh, if you can sell yourself, like Wilkinson is a renowned bullshit artist. Okay, and a smooth, charming kind of a dude. Uh, he's able to sell himself as this hero of the American Revolution, and it's not entirely a lie. Right. You know, right, He did serve. Yeah, he absolutely. It's the same way that when people thank me for my service, and I have to admit to them that I cleaned toilets all six years I was in the navy. So all part of the machine, Kev. But uh, so he marries and he tries to be legit, but it never seems to work out or pay enough for the guy. He's got a big uh, idea of himself, you know. So what was his position he held? He was the general clothier or something like that.
0: Oh, that was still during the Revolutionary War. Yeah, they, they, they make him the clothier to the army or something. But that blows up in his face, too, because he's accused of uh, shady dealings and making
1: money off of the, off of the army. Guy's dirty wherever he goes. Yeah, right. yeah he's, he's a dirtbag. Now, uh, Ming just pulled up a picture of uh, Ann Biddle. Uh, not a bad-looking woman. Okay? I mean, by those standards, not a bad-looking woman. There's a uh, there's a little Winona rider Sigourney Weaver thing going on over here. <laughs> I'm not against it, um, but when you're dirty everywhere you go, you wouldn't and, say no if she said yes. Eh? No, that's very true too. It's a uh, personally, I wouldn't say no if the big Kahuna said yes. All right, that's. A <laughs> but uh, we had a, when you're this dirty and you're a shameless ass kisser. What is the natural progression for you? Uh, find a little ass to kiss that's uh, going to promote you what better ass to kiss for promotion than to get into politics yeah. so he goes and he serves two terms in the uh, Pennsylvania State Assembly and he takes on the role in this assembly Now, after a couple of years of not serving takes on the role of brigadier general of the Pennsylvania State Militia because right. again he's an officer he's got experience he's he's literally friends with uh, what at the time is uh, essentially the king of America George Washington Right. Washington knows of him and uh, he move out to the Kentucky frontier, where he is now pushing for statehood. At the time, uh, Kentucky is considered like a territory of Virginia, if you will. They weren't uh, full on a state yet, um, and he's pushing for statehood for Kentucky because he's already seen what kind of a. If you create a new world, the, you know the continental United States, if you will, the thirteen colonies, uh, you see how lucrative that can be for some people. Imagine creating your. Uh, essentially 14th colony. all right okay so he sees the, the money in that. this is clearly a kind of a, a, a money grab, if you will. but uh, go ahead. yeah, there was there
0: was financial uh, um, motivation there for sure and going back to the Pennsylvania militia, I mean after the Revolutionary War, after the hostilities stopped with uh, Yorktown, um, you know and then once this uh, Treaty of Paris was signed which kind of ended the, the hostilities officially, um, there was a big push to downsize the army, that there wasn't going to be a standing national army because there was still fear that you know somebody, a general, could take over and become a dictator, um, which is one of the reasons why. A generalissimo oh, yeah, from an earlier episode? There you go. There you go. Um, and um, to be in the state's militia was probably the, one of the few military um, opportunities a guy would have, but anyhow, John Wilkinson has made himself uh, brigadier general or promoted himself to brigadier general of the uh, Pennsylvania State Militia, and you know, at the at the end of the Revolutionary War, um, land speculation was huge. I mean, it, you know, buy land and not making any more of it. You know that, uh, and one of the big opportunities. Was uh, in what we now call Kentucky, but at the time, that's really still part of Virginia. Um, the and Virginia would go all the way out to the to the Mississippi River. It's a lot of times when we talk about this kind of stuff in uh, in history that we take a, a skewed um, view of that. That we, what is Kentucky? What was the uh, Southwest? Well, the Southwest by today's standards is like New Mexico, Texas, Arizona, that kind of thing. The Southwest Territory at that time was Tennessee, Kentucky,
1: uh, you know, Louisiana, that type of thing. Well, now what's flowing through all that neck of the woods over there? Well,
0: the, the the best way of getting stuff from one place to the other, or getting you from one place to the other, is the rivers and um, you know the. Uh,
1: is it the father or the mother of all rivers? The Mississippi is uh, is big. Well it's a uh, uh, it was the father of all rivers, but the future is female, so it is now the mother of all rivers because gender's fluid. All okay, right, I'm sorry. This is a non-binary body of water, Dad. I'm not being um, <laughs> PC here. <either. laughs> well, uh, check this out. So now Wilkinson in 1787. This is where that harsh left happens. We were talking about. He now establishes contact with the Spanish. He's essentially the head of the military out west. And uh, this is during a time where uh, war with Spain was our preeminent concern as Americans. Okay, Because uh, at the time, they owned the Spanish three times more territory than what the United States just liberated from uh, Great Britain.
0: Yeah, you know, a okay. lot of times in American history, we we zero in on just what's happening on this side of the ocean. Meanwhile, on the other side of the ocean, there's all kinds of shit going on over there. The French Revolution is kicking up. Um, um, the French and the Spanish uh, are certainly, uh, you know, world leaders with uh, their land acquisition. Of course, the British are, have always been in, involved with that. With the imperialistic kind of things, of taken over the land grab. But um, the vast part of uh, North America is, you know, the 13 American colonies are just like a spit in a bucket. Um, you got Canada and the whole northeast, if you will, uh, um, that's British. And then um, anything on the other side of the Appalachian Mountains is either owned
1: by France or by Spain. So like a true capitalist, he's now got a little bit of military might over there. And Wilkinson now makes contact with the Spanish. Okay. This is where he goes from ladder-climbing douchebag to full-on scumbag. That's the the, the turn we're making here. Um, Like we said, Spain owned three times the territory that the U.S. did. We're not on good terms with them at all. In fact, King Carlos IV of Spain has banned all foreigners from trading on what was the very lucrative Mississippi River.
0: Yeah, and again, that's that's really what pushed that end of Virginia, which we now call Kentucky, um, because for them to come back over the Cumberland Mountains and everything else to – even to attend any kind of a state assembly or anything like that, forget about it. Those guys were just going to be left off. And, um, you know, the rest of Virginia's got all the, the eastern seaboard of Virginia to deal with, but the uh, the the people that we now know as Kentucky, they their primary source is to uh, get goods and materials and everything else out to the Mississippi River and then float it down
1: to... Um, Down to New Orleans. Well, check out this deal that he's making, too. Wilkinson is now uh, casually mentioning he has military power. He approaches the governor of the Louisiana Territory, Esteban Rodriguez Miro, which you may remember as a relief pitcher for the Diamondbacks. (laughs) Wilkinson offers information and to make sure that the Anglos, as they were known, don't expand westward in exchange for a monopoly on the Mississippi River train. So he's pretty much going to say, like, oh, we'll leave you guys alone. Why don't you just kind of, like, you know, let me have the monopoly on the trade over here. Now, it's – he actually legitimately signed an allegiance to the king of Spain. So this is the head of the Pennsylvania State Militia. This is a revolutionary war hero. This is a guy who is existing out in the Kentucky Territory in a leadership capacity. He has now sworn allegiance to the king of Spain. So you just defeated the British monarchy and you swear your allegiance to the Spanish one. This guy is an opportunist if there ever was one. But uh, – Wilkinson even tried to steer Kentucky's allegiance to Spain over the U.S. when they were trying to push for separation from Virginia. He's like, hey, you ever guys think about becoming Spanish instead, which yeah, I... not for nothing. I mean, if maybe Wilkinson spent some time in Spain and he saw what those women look like and that's why he was you know, very smitten <laughs> by that. I mean, I remember as a boy seeing Jennifer Lopez for the first time and it changed me. <laughs> but uh, now Wilkinson operated as a spy for Spain for decades. OK, this isn't like a one like a, this, yeah. is you know, a one off kind of a thing. This is decades. His code name, Agent 13, and it literally was never broken his entire life. He was known as Agent 13, and in this capacity, he was selling secrets in exchange for silver during the tense Spanish American, like kind of a a feud that was going on. Because, as you recall, we go to war with them later.
0: Um, Yeah, they go to war with them later, and um, again, there's a whole big mishmash of what's going on here worldwide. in the American colonies, uh, there's something called the Quasi War too that's even going on. That um, Wilkinson is trading information back and forth. The Quasi War was really with with the French. So I mean, we got this little 13 colonies hanging on the eastern seaboard, and there's a lot of people. You know, the British are still pissed off at us. Um, the French are uh, pissed off because now if we're trading with the French or if the French are, or we're trading with the British, um, then the French are pissed. If we're trading with the French, then the British are pissed. Um, and then the whole Spanish uh, acquisition or the, uh, the whole Spanish land grab that they're trying to control anything that touches the Mississippi, uh, You know, we're not in a real
1: good position here. We're just a the little punk kid that wants to play with the big boys. Oh, yeah. It's, it's essentially you're getting promoted into a job you're not ready for. Right. But finally, I got hired. Oh, Jesus Christ, this job's hard. Yeah. Um, but uh, now following those same trade routes, this is where the information flows from Wilkinson. Wilkinson delivers the information into New Orleans via network of spies who then deliver that information into Mexico who then in turn deliver that information to Spain. So Wilkinson is now always living in fear of being caught. Again, Agent 13, code was never broken, but he was scared at all times. He used to hide the silver that he was getting the payoffs in. They would deliver it by riverboat, first of all, because down there, you, you know, tons of water access. Yeah, and that's the
0: only way of going, because there's no railroad yet. There's nothing, you know. Done.
1: Exactly. And uh, now he hides it in barrels of coffee and rum and kept these meticulous records so that nobody could really figure out if there was something going on with him. It was a little bit goofy. But uh, here's one time he was nearly caught. I thought this was fascinating. Uh I used to love the show The Shield on FX, okay? And almost every... They were about dirty cops, and it was almost like every episode they were finally going to get caught, and at the, the last minute something happened, you were just like, this is insane. Um, the crewmen of a boat hired to deliver money that was going to be uh, given as a payoff to Wilkinson. They decided that they're going to murder the courier because they realize he has all this silver on him. So the crewmen of this boat that's supposed to be complicit in the payoff, they kill the courier. They're arrested, and when they were arrested, they brought before the magistrate because they were caught with literally the silver on them. And one of the men offered immediately to give up Wilkinson. That they're like, oh, "Let's expose. The- I'll give you this in exchange for you know you- a lesser sentence, if you will." But here's the pisser. Rats some out. Yeah, here's the pisser. This is why English is a second language. Uh, maybe is a little bit more important than we want to offer it up. Nobody at the local magistrate's office spoke Spanish. So these guys in Spanish are trying to say, well, hey, how about we give up this traitor to your entire country? But nobody speaks Spanish. So they inform Wilkinson, hey, can you send a translator down? Right. And Wilkinson finds out what it's all about, sends one of his inside men down who speaks Spanish. And this guy's job is to garble the testimony to the point of where it's inadmissible. So literally, he's just like, oh, yeah. And uh, he's saying, like, I guess somebody's a bad guy or something. I don't know. But uh, I mean, you know, these guys, it's, uh, you know, it's a lot of Ustedes S kind of a thing, but <laughs> they go away. Wilkinson gets away clean from this one, too. So he, right, he is literally that for oh, sure. but he dodges it his entire life, which That's is what's incredible. Now, uh, I would do want to hop back in here on another couple of details if we can, because, again, this guy is ridiculous. He's such a fucking scumbag. In 1791, he leads several punitive raids against an Indian uprising. That doesn't mean he's going in a field of battle against the Indian. That means he's going to their campgrounds while the men are out hunting and burning down the houses. All right? All right? Not a heroic thing here. But Washington, who's reorganizing the army at this point, has uh, he's trying to figure out what the hell to do. He makes Wilkinson the second in command to General Mad Anthony Wayne. Okay? Legendary Mad Anthony Mad Wayne. Mad Anthony Wayne from the Revolution. He... Coined that
0: um, that moniker, if you will, just because he was a badass, and uh, you know everybody thought, "Hey, this guy's a little nuts." Well, he he got the nickname Mad Anthony Wayne. Now, not for nothing, uh, my hometown Wayne, New Jersey, is named after him. Yeah, so. and um, Wayne is a Wayne, Pennsylvania. There's he's he's all over the place. He's originally Pennsylvanian, so yeah. But when you hear about how
1: angry he was, you truly realize he's a Jersey guy. So. <laughs> He's got the Jersey attitude, anyhow. But uh, so Wayne is now made the head of the army. Uh, Wayne dies of the gout, I believe. He had some uh, sort. of no, very-
0: I, I think it was more of a, an ulcer kind of a thing. But um, yeah, anyhow, you're. I think you're jumping ahead a little bit because uh, Wayne, uh, is back in the army again, um, along with Wilkinson, and uh, these two guys do not get along either. I mean, you know, I think look, there's so many interconnections here that all these guys w- knew one another from the Revolutionary War, whether they served with him or not. But, uh, yeah, that, that um,
1: they were not buds. So he doesn't get along with anybody who can't help him out, essentially.
0: Yeah, well, that's so, true, too.
1: And I believe you told me that the reason why you had to put Wilkinson as the second in command is because Washington knew. He's like, if I don't give this guy this, he's just going to bitch.
0: Right. Uh, he's the, the devil you know kind of a thing. Everybody knows he's a weasel,
1: but he's the uh, the best weasel we got. Well, when Matt Anthony Wayne dies now, uh, a literally a traitor with a sworn allegiance to Spain is now the head of the U.S. Army. This is not a good look for us, man. He's literally the head of the Army from 1796 till 1798, which is when Washington takes control of the Army again. As a favorite of President John Adams during kind of the tense times with France, mm-hmm. this is a, a post Reign of Terror start of uh, Napoleon's Empire kind yeah, of time. Yeah, again,
0: frame. people are looking to uh, pick on the, the little kid, the United yeah. States or the colonies, uh, and then uh, you know they, Adams comes to the realization with what's going on with France, what's going on with everything else all over the world that we need to have some kind of a standing army.
1: Yeah, Ben Franklin's telling me, like, hey, several prostitutes I know have been telling me that – (laughs) That's (laughs) right. Inside info. Not to jump ahead too far here, but we do want to get into some of this crazy shit. In 1801, Jefferson now gives command of the army back to Wilkinson, who at this time, at the time of being given the command of the army again, the head of the United States Army, James Wilkinson, is on the payroll – for at the time, $32,000 worth of money from the Spanish for information, which if you adjust for inflation, is $600,000. That's nice. Okay. That's yeah. That is a studio apartment in uh, Red the Bank. That'll help mortgage.
0: Yeah, that'll help the mortgage.
1: So <laughs> uh, now he doubles down on being a son of a bitch and literally is making money off the Spanish by reporting his own troops' movements. Right. When it's like you get up in the morning and you post on Facebook what are you going to do later on that day? And he's getting paid to do that.
0: Whatever he knows as a commander... Commander of the army, whether it's intelligence about the British, about the French, about whatever, that he's now passing that information on to to Spain for for the mullah, for the payout.
1: Well, you want to pretend that he's like Pete Rose. He's only betting on himself to win, but it's not really what it turns into. This is where he's a a real asshole is uh, he literally warned the Spanish about Lewis and Clark. So right when right. Lewis and Clark they, they pretended it was under the guise of a scientific expedition right? right but really they were doing land surveying like you were telling me
0: uh, yeah they, Jefferson sent Lewis and Clark out there and also to put another uh, land claim on the,
1: the western side of uh, North America. Well, guess what uh, Guess what the Spanish do when Wilkinson tells them about the true nature of the Lewis and Clark expedition? They send troops out to kill them. Right. So they have no clue. They never find them because they were the Spanish and I guess all the road signs were in English. I don't know what the deal is. But what winds up happening is they never actually catch up to them. Had they caught up to them, Lewis and Clark would have probably just disappeared from history and we never would have heard about it. They them were because. lost in the wilderness somewhere. Right. Instead, it all worked out in our favor, but in exchange for this crucial information, uh, the Spanish crown gives Wilkinson $12,000 and the rights to a trade deal with Havana. This fucking guy got Cuba. <laughs> he got Cuba before the uh, – we are barely getting Cuba now, and this guy had it, I mean, insane. Uh, but he goes ahead. Uh, if, By the way, if I had the trade results with Cuba, I would just be shipping over uh, – I mean, I, we know what the number one import from Cuba is, right? Um, Cubans? Uh, Well, some people would say cigars. Some people would say coffee. I would say uh, big booty women. Um, But uh, no, I seriously do need – if if there's any Cuban women listening out there, I need you to have kids with me because I'm very Irish and I just want kids that can go outside in summertime. Um, This is where it gets off the charts here. In 1805, Jefferson now makes literally a paid spy, the head of the Louisiana Territory. He is the first governor of the Louisiana Territory. Now, this falls into what we have to unpack quickly because I know we're running out of time here. Uh, Dad, what is Burr's Conspiracy?
0: Yeah, Burr's Conspiracy, um, he's another guy that could probably be in a whole episode all by himself. uh,
1: This will be part of a trilogy of episodes. Burr will be the next episode and Benedict Arnold for another one. So we're going to get to that too. But this Burr Conspiracy thing wraps Wilkinson up right in it.
0: Yeah, Aaron Burr is now our vice president under our third president. Um, I believe it was Jefferson, right? And then um, uh, there's another Burr conspiracy, which is another Cobble cable, whatever you want, however you want to pronounce (laughs) that one. Um, um, Treasonous um, bureaucrats, uh, uh, planters, politicians, uh, army officers, and everything else uh, led by Aaron Burr, former vice president. Um, And now he's trying to land grab kind of stuff, but he's not just going with what um, the United States presently owns, but he's also delving into the Spanish-held territories, Texas. I mean –
1: So he's trying to build his own country in the middle of the United States. And and the whole idea
0: was that they were going
1: to carve out the
0: center of what we now know as the United States was going to become its own separate country. And, you know, I guess Mr. Burr figured that he was going to be uh, um, the head of that. It's really strange, strange politics at this time, too, as far as how the president is elected, that uh, the top vote-getter is the president, the second-highest vote-getter is the vice president. And, you know, so a lot of these guys were running against one another, and now Burr is made vice president. And Tommy Jefferson did not get along too well with, with Burr, nor vice versa, but... Um, you know, he's definitely involved in, um, has, uh, Wilkinson
1: involved in this heavily too, because... Well, he, he, who did he tap as the yeah, head? Of, it, if Burr is going to have this conspiracy, he's going to need, uh, some military backing. And guess who he tapped as the head of his Wilkinson, military?
0: Wilkinson, who's already making inroads into that whole scheme himself, so...
1: Well, Wilkinson would have gladly betrayed the United States and Spain, but, uh... Because he's a capitalist at the end of the day. He wants whatever's going to work out best for him. So if this plan was a little bit better structured, he probably would have been all about it. But he was doubtful of Burr's plan. Didn't, he doesn't want to play for the losing team ever. You know what I mean? Right. So what do you do when you're dirty to get yourself clean? You you know, he ratted the other guy out. Right. So he goes ahead and literally rats Burr out to Jefferson himself. Now, Jefferson's weird because Jefferson is to uh, – Jefferson and Wilkinson kind of have this weird relationship where Jefferson definitely knew something was up with him, but he never quite kind of isolated him, kind of put him in these weird positions. He'd promote him, then demote him, promote – so if I had to use an analogy for this one, I would say that uh, Jefferson is the Tony Soprano and Wilkinson is his big pussy Bun Pincero, all right? He knows something's up, but he can't quite prove it. He still kind right. of likes the guy well, a When I bit. can prove it, he's going to sleep with yeah. the fishes for sure. Wilkinson plays a good Santa Claus every year at the Satrials, you know? But – Uh, Now, the evidence against Burr that Wilkinson provides is a heavily edited letter, right? He pretty much has whiteout over all the parts where he did something bad involved with it, too. Sends it over to him. Now, it's very clear to anybody who reads the letter that Wilkinson has cleared himself of any wrongdoing while making sure to incriminate Burr. And get this, Burr is now arrested for treason by Jefferson. The former vice president is arrested for treason. Wilkinson is the star witness against him. Okay, this is what a fucking scumbag this guy (laughs) is.
0: in in the whole thing but yeah he's trying to paint himself as being the the guy that was bringing all this to light meanwhile he's as you say, whiten out the,
1: the bad parts. <laughs> well, uh, the jury acquits the disgraced uh, former vice president who then retreats over to Europe, and I think he com- you were talking on the car ride down. He comes back to America towards the end of his life. But, uh, uh, yeah,
0: I be- yeah, back in. Again,
1: well, that'll be for another episode on that, which I'm stoked about. But uh, Absolutely. But now, Wilkinson's reputation, it was never great before, but it's now worse than ever because he actually suffers in uh, the trial because they're starting to put him under uh, a lot of cross-examination. People are like, dude, why didn't you come forward with this ahead of time? What's going on with you? Uh And they start realizing, hey, you know, this guy's got a real trail of shit wherever he goes, man. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Something stinks. Yeah. So uh, they start launching uh, inquiries into him. So Congress is now launching these uh, uh, court of inquiries into Wilkinson. Nothing is ever found. But uh, Jefferson does have no choice. He removes him as governor. Like I said, he kind of knew something was up with him a little bit here. But now he's able to coast for a little while, too. He's still ratting us out to the Spanish every chance he gets.
0: Oh, yeah, this has gone, this went on for years.
1: Well, in 1811 now, here's a president that's not going to take that shit anymore, all right? He's coming in here right now. It's like uh, a, a new head coach is in town, and he's not going to put up with the bad behavior of old. And in 1811, uh, James Madison comes in, who hates Wilkinson, just hates the dude, orders another inquiry, all right, yet another inquiry. Nothing again is proven. And uh, this is where the investigators and his own biographers, Wilkinson's own biographers, remark that Wilkinson is a mammoth of iniquity and to his very core, a villain. All right. Yeah, again, I know I do a lot of sports analogies on here to try to keep it loose, but this is like Roger Clemens testifying, uh, you know, for the the whole steroid scandal and everything like that. You know, he did something, you just can't prove it. Yeah. You're like, you're 50 years old and you're still throwing, like, you know, sidewinders. We know what's up, man. But now in 1811, Madison hates the guy, but in 1812, due to lack of options at the time, Madison is forced to promote Wilkinson again to major general of the U.S. Army yeah. for our war with England. How does that make you feel? Oh, my God. Well, there's no better options <laughs> at the time. You're completely stuck. Everybody else is dead or friggin', you know, past their prime or not ready for uh, uh, you know, the major light, if you will. But they go ahead. They give him the command of the army. He proves to be completely ineffective in combat, and they remove him from command which making him investigated again. This is probably the fourth or fifth of the times that he's been investigated in a court of inquiry. And this is, is great. If you wanted to put a fuck you on a, a his cemetery, uh, I'm sorry, a cemetery stone, this would be the greatest sh- like backhanded compliment quote ever. It doesn't get more passive aggressive than this. In Wilkinson, we have found an officer renowned for never winning a battle, nor ever losing a court martial. <laughs> so... Pretty interesting hey, guy here. He's like 5-0 on court-martials, right? Oh, yeah. He's killing it. Uh, <laughs> but in 1815, he is honorably discharged from the United States Army. The biggest scumbag in our military history is honorably discharged. For record here, people who smoke pot and get caught in the military do not get an honorable discharge. So in 1816, he publishes his memoirs called In My Own Time. Many of the letters in this thing are – they incriminate himself in some of his own scandals. And he uh, self-aggrandizes every part of his life. It's literally his uh, How I Would Have Done It by O.J. Simpson. That's essentially what this guy goes ahead and puts out there. I did it
0: my way. (laughs) (laughs) Um,
1: Now, again, his scumbag his entire life in 1822, he's nearly broke. He sets sail for Veracruz where the former head of the U.S. Army on two separate occasions, a proposed Revolutionary War hero, decides to set sail for Veracruz because he's decided right now that I'd be a great advisor to uh, the newly crowned Emperor Augustine of independent Mexico. He's, sitting, he's, literally, he's looking for con- uh, consulting work. That's right. what he's doing now. He's a hedge manager fund. He right. sold all of his shit. Uh, his penny stocks plummeted, but now he's got all of his money, so now it's going to consulting. So in true Wolf of Wall Street fashion, he goes over there. Uh, but the problem is is that the emperor abdicates the throne within a year of having it. Augustine Oops. doesn't want to sit on the throne. So you bet on the wrong horse yeah. finally, you motherfucker. Um, in 1825 now, poor and in ill health, he dies in Mexico City with rumors of a, a bad opium habit. Okay, And he dies poorer than his own father. So the guy's entire life is sitting there freaking out about making sure he has financial stability so he doesn't wind up like his dad. He winds up with more money than his dad for his whole life until the very end when he dies with almost nothing all right. so complete scumbag here now years after his death paperwork will confirm that he was in fact agent 13 he appears on several old school payrolls in Madrid and they even found more documents uh, recently in Baton Rouge linking him as an agent to Spain so this has all been proven beyond a shadow of a doubt uh, Teddy Roosevelt, upon reviewal of uh, all this information, if you're no friend of T.R. by the way, you're no friend of mine. I happen to like Teddy Roosevelt quite a <laughs> bit. Um, but He's Teddy an Le- ass kisser. Oh yeah. Well, no, kisser, kicker, kicker. He's an ass oh yeah, kicker. No, as opposed to ass kisser. Exactly. So Teddy Roosevelt goes, "You don't like America?" That kind of a thing. Right. But uh, Teddy Roosevelt referred to him. This is a quote: "The most consummate artist in treason that our nation has ever possessed." Right. So scumbag. So Teddy's making him
0: number one as far as uh,
1: treasonous. You know, ne- never mind Benedict Arnold. He's he's calling Wilkinson the number one. Absolutely. Oh, I know we got to get the hell out of here too. But do you have any closing thoughts on old Mr. Wilkinson?
0: Uh no. He was just just an all-around great guy, you know. And I think one of the things that had gone for him early on is because he was such a, an ass-kisser at at an early age that he quickly learned that the way to the top is by. In the ass of the higher ups, that's you know, why he was made a brigadier general at 20 years old. At that by the time the War of 1812 comes around, they, they make him in charge because there's nobody else left, kind of a thing that has any kind of a military background.
1: Well, I think uh, the, the other case too with this is that um, in, if you want to talk about short term gain versus long term gain, Washington has a bunch of shit in his career that makes him look bad. A lot of these guys have stuff in their careers that make them look bad in the, the short term, but in the long term, we remember them so fondly, right? Wilkinson took the shortcut every way of his life, is remembered as the biggest scumbag in American history. Right. Okay? And there's some lofty company, too, that comes with that. So if you want to do things the right way, you can get remembered better in the long run. But if you're in it for the quick money, I guess you can figure it all out, yep. you know? But uh, on that note, I want to say uh, thank you so much to our friends over at A Shared Universe. Thank you very much, Ming, for being in on the podcast here with us. You and Zavs have been taking great care of us, man. Uh, thanks to the Kahuna. He's in, he's in the building. He was working on another podcast here today, just cheating on us a little bit. But I want to say thank you so much to uh, uh, my father. Thanks for making me love history, dude. This is a, a <laughs> blast to do this here with you. If Sorry. I can, real quick. Um <laughs> I do want to plug this show should be coming out on October. Uh, I want to say the second. Um, and if you hear this in time, on October 6th, I will be opening for the legendary Ron Bennington at the Newtown Theater in Newtown, Pennsylvania. Please uh, go for tickets on JJComedy.com. Uh, you can check me out at, uh, at KP sucks on Instagram and Twitter, uh, KP Burke on Facebook. And uh, we're starting to build what we have American Loser podcast at Gmail dot com. If you guys have any ideas for the show, some losers you want us to talk about, anything like that. And this is, real quickly, our last call to action, if you will. Uh, if you guys like this show, we're having a blast doing it. The feedback's been almost universally fantastic. If the only negative feedback I'm getting is that my handsome father breathes into the mic too much. What do you mean, <laughs> Uh If that's the negative comments, then we're having a blast with this, and I think we're doing an okay job. We want to keep growing. We want to keep this thing going. If you want to help the show out, the best way to do that is do us a favor. Uh, subscribe to us on iTunes or SoundCloud. Leave us a review. Leave us a rating for the show. It really helps us out. If you can share something when we put the posts out, every Tuesday, Lose Day, we're putting out a new one. And also support our friends over at the Shared Universe Podcast Network. None of this would happen without them. Guys, uh, my name is KP Burke, and that was James Wilkinson, American Loser. An American
0: Loser the day I was born. An American Loser the day I was born.
1: can lose her the day I was born